My Car Guru, episode 208. Well, hello, folks. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. I have several important topics to review with you today. One of them is very timely as far as I'm concerned. I've got into my wife's 2022 Nissan Frontier. Yes, she has her own truck. I have my truck. She has her truck. That's very important because we have our families all live in the same town, and we do a lot of hauling back and forth to and from. Um, we've been working out at my mom's house and trying to get everything out of it. And my goodness, I can't even count how many truckloads we have made, both of us. But the truck just works. You know, it's different than it was when I first got into the car business. All trucks were regular cabs and long beds for the most part. You know, if somebody bought a short bed truck, it was definitely not for farming use. And back in those days, Green County was just, I mean, it was all about agriculture, when we moved here in 1971, um, and I'm talking Greenville, Tennessee, uh, the the top three employers were a milk producer, pet milk company, a, a tobacco company, the Austin Tobacco Company, and Magnavox. Today, none of those are here. So it just shows you how things change. But pickup trucks are definitely essential. It's probably still about... 30 to 40% of my new vehicle business is uh, our trucks. Now, when you throw in SUVs, I mean, some people call SUVs trucks as well. Uh, Ford technically only makes one car now, and that's the Ford Mustang. Everything else is in the truck category. So anyway, I jump in her truck, and the tire pressure warning light is on. And that makes sense. And why does it make sense? That's right, because the temperatures have fallen. And when the temperatures have fallen, if you have borderline pressure in your tires, then your light is going to come on. Does that mean you need to go to the dealership and get that taken care of or go to the gas station? Well, no, not if you have your own little portable air compressor. You can take care of that at home. But most people don't. I do. I have so many cars parked at my house. I've got, and most of them are old cars, and they lose a lot of air. Uh, so I'm always putting air in something, including my side-by-side and a motorcycle and a four-wheeler and so forth and so on. So everything's something's always needing air. But if your uh, tire pressure warning light comes on, there's uh, certain reasons for that. And you may have a different kind of a system than I have on mine. Mine actually measures the air pressure in the tire. It has a, it's a, uh, basically it's attached to the valve stem on, on the wheel. And so when it senses a pressure drop, uh, it will, and, and the drop is below the recommended inflations for that vehicle, uh, then it will uh, trigger my light. You know, it uses a radio signal, basically, to send a message to my computer on my truck. What if a car is beside me, since they use radio signals, what if the car beside me has uh, low pressure in their tires? Will that, will that set off my uh, tire pressure warning light? No, it's because they are all serialized. So you have a specific code built into your tire pressure warning, and that's why they have to be synchronized whenever you have to replace one. And why would you have to replace one? Well, because the batteries go dead, and they are non-replaceable. And those tire pressure warning sensors are not cheap. You know, expect to pay anywhere from $40 to $150, depending on the brand of car that you have just to monitor your tire pressures. Why do we have to do that anyway? Why is that important? Because it's the law. Yes, the federal government passed the TRED Act. That's an acronym for something. 
But, uh, yeah, they included in that by, I think it was 2007, every vehicle had to have a tire pressure monitoring system. The other type of monitoring system is kind of interesting. It actually uses the ABS uh, sensors on the wheels to measure the rotation speed of individual tires. So as a tire loses air, its rotational speed speeds up. And, uh, you know, so a, tire, a larger tire that's more inflated is going to be bigger. And so it, what it does is it just picks that up and sends you a signal. It does not tell you how much pressure you have in your tires. Like my wife's uh, vehicle is at 27 pounds. So how do I determine what is the right pressure? What's the best thing to do? Well, you don't look at what it says on the sidewall of the tire. You look in the door jam, and all of the factories put in a recommended tire pressure, and it may not jive with what it says on the size of the side of the tire. It also be in your owner's manual but nobody reads those. Yours is probably still in the glove box wrapped in plastic. Well, that's somewhat accusatorial. Maybe not, but if you have read your owner's manual, it's, it's boring in a lot of ways, but you should at least read the quick reference guide. You know, if you have a relatively new car and you haven't read that, it's probably wise. It'll help you discover things. You may, you, your car may have features on it that you had no clue that it has, and you're not taking advantage of it. Like, I didn't realize that my wife's Nissan had a heated steering wheel. I knew it had heated seats, but boy, that was nice this morning. I didn't read it in the owner's manual. I just happened to see that but that switch down there. I said, what? This thing has a heated steering wheel. And so I turned it on, and I was warm and toasty. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'm going to talk about questions, okay? How important the right questions are, especially when you're buying a car, but in life as well. I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. I went to a seminar one time at an NADA convention. I think it was in San Francisco. And it was this guy named Paul Cummings. And I, I know he didn't create this, this mindset. I think Tony Robbins did, as a matter of fact. But one of the quotes that he said really struck me. He said, the, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. Now, I think he was talking about the quality of questions that you ask others, especially in the process of buying a car since this was the NADA Auto Dealers Convention. But I think Tony Robbins was talking about the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. And boy, there's a lot of those going around in our heads most of the time. But, you know, questions are the foundation of a good decision and good decision-making. If you ask the right questions, whether you're trying to get a date or maybe – I don't know, study for a test or get a job. And the answers may lead you to either great results or bad results. You know, the wrong questions and the answers may be of no benefit at all. Have you ever asked a question and the person you are addressing responds by saying, you know, that's a great question. Why do they respond that way? Well, you know, I've thought about that, and I think it's probably because They've never been asked that before, or they're rarely asked that, and they're just really impressed at your insight to ask it. But the truth is, some questions should never be asked or answered, and typically those questions are shortcuts to a bad result, in my experience. But I'm going to give you some examples uh, in a typical car transaction of questions that you should never answer if you happen to be asked. You're at a car dealership, and the salesperson is interviewing you, so to speak. He's asking the questions. And if he asks any of these, don't answer or be careful how you answer. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. Question number one, what kind of monthly payment are you looking for? 
Now, they may phrase this in a different way. They say, what, what kind of monthly payment you want? Or how much is your monthly payment on your car? Is that comfortable for you? You know, it's anything with regard to the monthly payment. Those are questions that you should never answer. And the reason that you payment buyers out there should not answer that is because it leads you down the road of paying too much for a car. I talk about this a lot because this is the most common way to pay too much for a car is focusing just on the monthly payments. So, um, you know, if they know how much you want to pay, then they can basically fit the price into that budget or into that amount when you probably could have gotten a lot lower payment if you had just negotiated on the selling price. And I, I realize that most people are going to have a trade-in, so they're going to have to uh, look at more than one number other than the selling price of the car. What are they going to pay you for your trade-in? And then, you know, what the trading difference is. Those are the important numbers. Everything else comes later. So you should have already done the research on your computer and figured out how much money you can buy for, for or how much monthly payment will be on like $30,000. So can we afford a $40,000 car? Let's say you, you have, you you know, figure you can afford a $40,000 car with the $5,000 down at 72 months, and that's really as long as you want to go. So you figure out what that monthly payment is, and, and you know, the tax is going to add, you know, maybe $20 a month or $30 a month to the payment, depending on, you know, how much your tax rate is. But once you know the basic numbers that that you can afford and, and you know what your credit score is, you've maybe even applied online or gone to your credit union and found out, you know, how much they're willing to loan you and what the monthly payment is. If you don't want to do it on your computer, by the way, you can always call your banker and you can be prepared when you walk into the dealership. Now, the dealership has very competitive rates. They don't loan money. They basically just facilitate the paperwork for multiple financial institutions, including the captives like Ford Motor Credit, Ally Bank, uh, which does financing for General Motors and, and uh, Chrysler, um, Honda Motor Credit, Toyota Motor Credit. They all have their captives. But then they also have uh, all the paperwork in the dealership for most of the credit unions in your area. And for all kinds of banks, small, not mostly not small banks, because they're they're not into what we call indirect lending, which is lending that is that the paperwork is facilitated through the dealership. Direct lending is lending that's done in the bank. So a lot of small banks don't do that, but most big banks do have indirect lending, and they go through dealers. And so dealers have all of these different banks, and they could submit your credit to these banks all at one time. And, and help you get a very low rate. And sometimes it's more competitive than, uh, you know, if you go out and get it on your own. However, right now, you know, the credit unions typically have the lowest rates unless there is something called a subvened rate, which is a rate that you can get through, uh, like I said, General Motors or Ford or somebody like that, which could be 0%. And there are some low interest rates. Right now we have, like, for example, on the F-150, you can get uh, – zero for up to 36 months. Well, not many people can afford, you know, the payment, even if it is at 0% for 36 months. But, you know, if uh, you want to go 60 months, they have like 2.9. So that's a good rate. That's lower than most credit unions right now. So you got to shop that around. But still, that's after you already know what you can afford to pay. Um, and it's very helpful to go ahead and have that information before you walk into the dealership. Okay, so you don't want to answer that question. What kind of monthly payment are you looking for? 
It's not because they're a bad guy. It's that's because that's how they're trained. Because they realize that, you know, if you answer that question, then that's that's easy for them to back into that number. Second question uh, you should never answer: What is your budget for a new car? If you give them a number, you know, we want to spend forty thousand dollars, no more than forty thousand dollars. That's kind of like telling them what monthly payment that you want. Because they may have a car back here that they could actually sell you for 36000 but they just go ahead and slap an addendum on it, and they quote you, or they pull the window sticker out, or it's a used car and doesn't have a window sticker at all, and then say, well, yeah, you can buy this one for $40,000. Well, you don't have a clue what that car is worth, and you got taken advantage of. What is your budget for a new car or a used car? Don't tell them. Don't answer the question. Well, we know what our budget is. We just want to look and see what you have. You give us the numbers. Let them make you the proposal. Let them give you the numbers, and then you respond to those numbers. Okay? Number three, how much do you want for your trade? Or they may say, what do you think your trade-in is worth? Never answer that question. Uh, let them answer it for you. Say, well, you know, if they ask you, what, what do you want for your trade? Well, I really don't know. I want to see what you're willing to offer me for my trade against the selling price on that car. Um, you know, if you do it that way, then you will get a legitimate number, a legitimate trade difference that you can work with in order to figure out what your monthly payments are going to be based on that, based on the research that you did. Okay. What's another question you don't want to answer? Let's say really early on in the conversation, they say, okay, well, let's do a five line credit app. We can find out really quickly what you qualify for. No. If they say, what is your social security uh, social security number and date of birth, and that's pretty early in the transaction. You're not sitting at a desk doing the final stuff after you've already negotiated the price. If they ask you that question, don't answer it. You know, if you finance through the dealership, you will have to provide this information. But all they want to do right now up front is called what we call a five-liner. Uh, it's basically your social security number, date of birth, address, uh, income, and I can't remember what the fifth one is. But what they, they need that information for a basic credit pool. And they will push you to a vehicle that you may not want. So avoid it. Uh, don't answer those questions until you have actually already negotiated the selling price. Now, if you have terrible credit and you don't know what you qualify for and, and you've been turned down and stuff, still, you should go ahead and do the research. Don't just fall into the dealership because those are the people that get taken advantage of, especially if you have marginal credit or poor credit. Okay. The fifth question you should never answer. Are you ready to do business or buy today? You know, you should do everything you can to remove any sense of urgency. If you act all urgent, we got to get this done. Even if it is urgent, I don't care. Don't act like it is. You're gonna have you're gonna have to put up an act. You know, many salespeople feed off of urgency. Um, you know, most bad salespeople do. If they get somebody that's really excited about a car, they know that that person will pay more for the car. They know that they'll stretch on the selling price. They know that they'll stretch on the monthly payment. And you know, it's one of the worst things you can do. I have seen this lead to, you know, that in combination with excessive credit card debt debt. I have seen this lead to more bankruptcies than just about anything else. People get into a car loan 
that they shouldn't, then they're dissatisfied with the car. Two years later, they decide they want to trade because they don't like the car. Well, they're upside down by $10,000, and they find some dealer that can get them financed. Well, now they're upside down $20,000. What if they're not happy with that car? And then the credit card bills start piling in. You know, it's just, it's all about behavior, and it's how they live and their lifestyle and so forth. But, uh, you know, just get rid of the urgency. Good salespeople, um, if you say that, you know, you're just in the uh, investigation stage right now and uh, you're not going to buy a car today, it's probably the best thing you could say is I'm just not going to. Even if you really want to buy a car today, say that you're not planning on buying a car today. You know, a lot of car dealer advertising is geared to the weekend, and that's when people are off. You know, if, if you come in on a uh, Saturday, then all the day, that, that's when all the balloons go up, you know, and they have the tent out there, and they're maybe grilling hamburgers like we did last weekend and hot dogs. And, you know, they're trying to create a, 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 an atmosphere. And, um, you know, people get excited, and it's great. I mean, it is exciting buying a new car. So, you know, should you come in on a Saturday and buy a car? Sure, sure, but just don't don't uh, answer the wrong questions and stay calm. You know, if you decide, if you come in and you test drive a car and you really like it and um, you negotiate a, a good price, if you just tell them you want to think about it until Monday, they'll probably bring a little heat. I mean, I encourage my salespeople to never do that. If somebody wants to think about it, good. Let them think about it. We want them to make a good decision. And then they come back on Monday and buy the car. But if you tell somebody you want to think about it and then they bring the heat in, in the form of, you know, start cutting the price and that, well, what would we have to do for you to buy the car the debt today? Well, why didn't you do that to begin with? Well, I didn't realize you were going to leave. Well, I'm going to leave and I want your best price or, you know, I just won't come back. I don't want to fight for a price. That's old school, right? Uh, this is new school. Customers don't like that anymore. So they say, well, it might not be here on Monday. Well, that's fine. Uh, I'll find another one somewhere. You know, they're going to throw all kinds of things. Then that, that, that hefty sales manager is going to come from behind his desk and say, folks, what do we got to do to uh, do business with you today? Uh, the best thing you could do, sir, would uh, just to wait until Monday because we're not ready to buy the car today. Well, what if we did? What if we threw in floor mats? What if we did a spray in? You know, all these things start coming at you. That would be great. Will you do that on Monday? You know, if they say no, we won't do that on Monday. We'll just do that today. Then you're at the wrong dealership. You need to go somewhere else because they are playing games with you. Uh, you know, the deal on Saturday should be good on Monday. Uh, if you want to leave a deposit on the car, okay, understand the desire maybe to hold the car for you. Get a receipt and make sure it is a refundable deposit. Make sure it says on there, this is a refundable deposit, and it is signed by the sales manager. Get them to print out the buyer's order, or sometimes we call it the deal sheet in the business. Get them to print it out. It has all the numbers on there with the payments and the taxes and you know, if you did finally get into the finance office and talk to the finance manager and he was trying to sell you an extended warranty and gap insurance and, you know, we talked yesterday about Secure Etch, you know, these weird named products that are way overpriced. It gives, it gives you a chance to look at it and digest that information in the comfort of your home and not with like a bunch of eyes on you wanting you to buy a car today. 
and you got the loud music and the balloons and, you know, the popcorn machine. They offer you free popcorn. Say, okay, you give me free popcorn, I'll buy today. It's just, uh, it's too easy to fall into that trap, and I'm just recommending that, uh, that you do not answer these five questions. Okay, I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, why does buying a car or why has traditionally buying a car just been such a game? You know, such a, uh, you know, the negotiation and all that stuff. And I said, you know, buying anything is somewhat of a game. I mean, you're being gamed when you walk into a grocery store and you buy your milk and your bread and your cereal and stuff and you go up to the counter. And what's what's at the counter? Is there anything? Is there a whole bunch of stuff other than a cash register and a nice lady? Yeah. A bunch of magazines that you don't need. A bunch of candy and, you know, things that the kids want to grab a hold of and, and for you to buy that you don't need to buy. But you do. You grab it. That's a game. You know, and it's a game that, that uh, merchandisers have been playing since biblical times. Um, you know, so don't be surprised when it gets played on you. You just have to be prepared and never be in a hurry. And never indicate that you, you know, have to make a decision today because you really don't. But here's something that you do need to make a decision on. And that's this Saturday, the 22nd, the second annual or semi-annual Cars and Coffee event at Gateway Ford. Yeah, we're going to be doing it at the AMC Theaters right next door. We had uh, close to 150 cars the last time. It is an informal car show. This is one that you drive in. And then you stick around for two or three hours, and then you leave. But we had some amazing cars last time. I'm going to have most of my cars down there. We have coffee from my favorite coffee place, the Creamy Cup in Greenville, Tennessee. Well, it's actually in Tusculum. But they have a truck, and they're going to set up, and I'm going to have uh, donuts and snacks and stuff like that for folks. But the, the exciting part will be just all the cars that we will have. And if you have an antique car or a vintage car or just any car that you want to show and just walk around, look at everybody else's stuff. And then tomorrow, or sorry, yeah, on Sunday, the day after, is the Cars and Coffee event in Knoxville, Harper's Cars and Coffee. And they estimate there'll be anywhere from five to 8,000 cars down there. Now, we won't have that many, but I would encourage you to go down. If you want to show a car down there, you better show up at about 5 a.m. in the morning. With my Cars and Coffee event, eh, you don't have to get here that early, you know, maybe 7.30. 8 o'clock is fine. But just cruise on in, and I'll be here with my team. And if you want to uh, come over and look at what we have at Gateway, you can. If you want to tour the dealership, I'll be glad to do that with you. Just love to meet you and see you and uh, would encourage you to come down. Call me on my cell phone if you need me, 423-552-2020, or email me to Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, Lawson2020 at gmail.com, and, and I'll try to help you any way I can if you have a car life need. We'll see you next time.